0: There's that music, and today we welcome Stephen Lamb, the author of the book that basically covers every Yes song. And they're on this recording, so in about 20 hours when this is over, we'll start the interview. <laughs> just kidding. Do I have to Canada talk about all of them? Steve.
1: Yeah, and like, like we said, we have Stephen Lamb, author of Yes, every album, every song, a revised edition, actually just came out recently so uh yeah from sonic bond publishing and yeah it's great to have you here how's everything going
2: no it's a pleasure to be here it's uh, it's going great it's um it's 8 p.m in the uk i've just had dinner so if i fall asleep at any stage
0: <laughs> it won't be <laughs> us or me give me a prod <laughs> it'll
2: well, be fine
0: i want to start off by saying and we'll dig into this this is a great book folks If you're a hardcore, freakishly hopeless Yes fan, this book is for you. If you're just now, for (laughs) whatever reason, finding out about Yes, this book is for you. If you're anywhere in between, this book is for you. A, A mountain of work, it must have been. We'll get into that. And One of the things that Steve and I respect you so much for, Stephen, is that you've opened the invitation where if anyone spots any corrections or anything like that, they can write you, which is great. And I have one I want to bring up right now. Um, it's regarding Fragile. Pete Best plays drums on Fragile. It's not Bill Bruford.
2: <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding.
2: <laughs> Actually, ah, uh, no. But there's a story behind. No, there isn't. There isn't. There isn't. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> Steve, go ahead and kick it off with the grilling. I mean, the interview. Right. So
1: (laughs) something you mentioned briefly in your book is the Wembley 1978 concert that was broadcast by BBC radio. And today is actually the 45th anniversary of that concert. Was it this particular show that was your first Yes concert or was it one of the other nights?
2: No, it was. uh, Oh, I genuinely I cannot remember which show I was at. Oh, Oh, I, I was 16. So all I remember is my mother drove me to the show. I think it was a weeknight, though. I don't think it was. don't think it was because they did a matinee and a show in the evening on the Saturday. Oh, um, okay. So I think it must have been one of the earliest. It must have been one of the earlier ones. I, okay. I, I remember saving up for it. it. Cost five pounds.
0: Oh, man. Um, uh, and that was expensive
2: in 1978.
0: Yeah, we're I think we're like a year apart because I saw the Tornado tour in 78. That was October and I was 15.
2: Well, okay. Yeah. yeah. So we so you saw the first American leg, presumably. Yeah.
0: And then I saw so I saw it at the LA Forum, sat in yeah. the 6th row, great seats, first time seeing them, first time seeing in the round or anything like that. And then I caught the second leg in 79 at Long Beach Arena way up Which was actually okay, having seen them before up close, and then get that big scope view of everything was really a delight to to see both perspectives. It was neat.
2: Yeah, I was I was up in the gods, um, Mm. and I remember I do have a distinct memory. It was it was it was wasn't only my first yes show; it was my first show of any sort. So uh, I think that's in the book actually. And um, I remember finding my seat. I went on my own, um, though my mother drove me to the show and picked me up afterwards. Um, I remember going and I remember walking up to my seat because uh, obviously it was in the round at uh, Wembley Arena. The Empire Pool Wembley, as it was called then.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh,
2: I think. And um, I remember thinking, shh, shh, this is high up. <laughs> um, I also remember thinking it was loud, actually. But I think that was because I'd never been to a show, in my, never been to a live show in my entire life. Ah, so it, it wasn't, it wasn't, not, compa- not compared to, I don't know, seeing ACDC about 10 years later, I think. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I um, saw Led Zeppelin the year before, and it was loud. It was yeah, my first concert, yeah. and it was yeah. freakish loud. La- loud
1: Zeppelin. Loud been. Zeppelin. <laughs> be yeah. That could be a tribute band name. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> but also, because the sound was so good, when yeah. I got used to the volume, uh, I thought all shows would be like that. <laughs> All yeah. show or the sound system at all gigs would be like that. And, oh, uh, God, I've experienced some terrible sound. Yeah, same here. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a um, show
0: I left because it was so loud. And this is years into adulthood where my ears, I already suffered a lot of hearing loss. So it wasn't me. It was King Crimson, bless their hearts, on the Thrack tour. But the oh. third song I had to leave, it was so loud. I was nauseous. I was experiencing like Meniere's disease or something. And I just had to leave. It was (laughs) John Paul Jones opened for them. So it was worth the trip. It was great. That was his second tour. But yeah, man, that was unbelievably loud. And I mentioned that on drum talk TV, our our other show Uh in a post. And uh, Paul Masolano actually saw and commented and said, sorry, bloke. (laughs) Like (laughs) he was the drummer for the show and he's apologizing. It was funny.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Are you guys aware that that show uh, there there is now a proper live recording of that show? Obviously, the BBC recorded uh, one of the shows.
0: There, but, so there um, is or there isn't.
2: There is. Uh, oh. the, well, first of all, the BBC recorded it and they put it out as a two-hour show on the Friday Rock Show, which was a Friday night show, and uh, it was so that would have been early nineteen seventy-nine. And a guy called John D, who is a sort of well known, uh, yes, fan lives in Australia, has been um, putting together a full proper record, not full proper recording, but um, a sort of a, a full um, CD record uh, quality version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's trying to persuade Warners to release. And that's happening right now. So um we'll see what happens with that but I you know given that was my first show I would and that's that's including some of the parts in, that they didn't broadcast on the BBC as well yeah. they didn't broadcast future times or rejoice or yeah. um, oh, that's some right. other I remember that the there,
0: yeah
1: yeah so looking at the 78 calendar it looks like that particular show was on a saturday and yeah john d uh, put out a recent post where uh, he put out an update, and how uh, someone sent him a soundboard recording that I think had some of the tracks in higher quality. So he's asking if there's anyone else who might have. Um, I'm trying to find the original post. I had it up here. And... It's
2: um. He's got he's got the BBC recording, and they've restored some of the parts that uh, the BBC recorded but weren't broadcast so that's madrigal and um the waitman solo and then the only broadcast part of roundabout um the only part that the bbc don't have is future times rejoice and that's the part he's trying to
1: yes good quality version of yeah so i found the post and uh, his request is uh if anyone has a really high quality copy of Wembley 78 check if it has future times and rejoice on it uh because if it does it might be higher quality than some of the stuff that he has so Interesting. Um, yeah. That's... and and i'll i'll link this post in the show notes and post in the comments but yeah so trying to get the best quality recording of this to present it to warner's and hopefully have it released i think that'd be a wonderful thing to
2: release
1: release
2: which hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they didn't play
1: Oh. <laughs> right right right. Yeah, I think I just a couple shows and then it was too difficult and yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um regarding the book, Stephen, with each edition, did you go back and re-listen to everything to see if your take changed or for context or did you just listen to subsequent releases since the previous editions and what was like your evaluation process like?
2: That was a, that's a really good question actually. Uh the answer is uh... Because I published it with through my own publishing company, it has allowed me to actually tweak the book a little bit as I've reprinted it, and the book sold very well over the years. So there have been a few right. reprints, um, but all I did with those with with the tweaking was maybe bring it up to date in the final chapters
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, add whatever new album was out. <laughs> right. So, I, so uh, the previous reprint actually was done recently enough to have um the quest in it um but that was that <clears throat> that was actually only only I thing i only reprinted about 100 copies or, or something so this new version was a a chance to completely revise the book word by word i didn't i i looked at every word i didn't necessarily change it okay. um but it was also an opportunity to go back and listen to some things that i thought my i might have changed my mind about i didn't listen to every song I didn't uh obviously i had to listen to the to the um the new stuff i was reviewing <laughs> one album i did go back and listen to again because i thought my opinion might have changed a little bit was was tales
0: oh interesting and in
2: fact my opinion has changed a little bit and i did update what i said a little tiny bit
0: okay it, that's um, interesting now i wish i i now i need to buy an older edition and just go to that section and no see it's
2: it's not it's <laughs> It's definitely not worth buying. (laughs) (laughs) It is worth buying for the. It it is probably worth buying if if you've got the first edition, which some people will have. uh, That won't have. Well, it won't have from a page. It won't have the quest, and it won't have Mirror to the Sky. Right. Um, and it's not really worth buying for any updated thoughts I may have. So,
0: so tell us if you are you willing to spill the beans a little bit use it as a commercial and tell us what did change in your mind or your feelings towards tales and and in which direction and what part of
2: oh I've always been I I still am I guess I'm one of those people that thinks it's too long (laughs) (laughs) I'm in that camp and that there is there is a brilliant I wouldn't say 45 minutes I'd probably say there's a brilliant 60 minutes in there Hmm. and I went back and listened to particularly to the remembering Mm -hmm. um this is partly prompted by a guy i know called uh, a friend of mine called andy tillerson who's the uh, he's in a band called the tangent he played my festival um earlier this year and he played a little segment from the remembering um actually and it was one of the the segments you probably wouldn't expect him to play it was a little ambient section Ah. i thought oh that's that's really nice maybe i'll also give it another go so i did Uh, My opinion hasn't changed much about it, but it has changed a little bit. Um, So I'm probably a little bit nicer about the remembering that happened previously. Nice,
0: interesting. Uh,
2: I've always been a bit of a bit of of an apologist um, for uh, the ancient, anyway. So I was already saying relatively nice things about that, unlike most people. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah because one of the things i was wondering was whether you did like a complete 180 on any songs between editions you
2: know no not really no not really yeah. um uh i can't think i mean the tracks are i mean the music's so ingrained it's right, stuck yeah. in my head now that i'm very unlikely to turn to turn go around and say yeah okay well i i, I used to love i think i think um i can't remember whether i put it in the book I've never been a big fan of Hearts. Nine o one two five.
0: Interesting.
2: And I like that a little bit more now. Okay. Um, but I, I genuinely cannot remember whether my review of Hearts in the in in the book actually re- actually reflects that. Um, uh, but that's because aside from this, I've done loads and loads more. Yeah. Uh, research and work on on the nine o one two five period. Um. Uh. You, you, uh, Stephen. You definitely seen the little reel I did about um about the Trevor Rabin interview I did because oh yeah you, and Prog you magazine the screen yeah. capture for it
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah, and I mean but, that was a bucket list
2: item right
1: interviewing Trevor
2: yeah yeah that was uh that was well the, the background to that is that um um Jerry Ewing the editor of Prog I been I've done a few pieces for Prog magazine now and yeah. um Jerry the author uh the uh editor knew that i was uh i was a fan of 80s yes as a as well as 70s yes and i'd written about my like of 80s yes in that book that we talked about with david Watkinson whenever it was yes in the 1980s yeah so um he asked me ages ago he was preparing the cover features for um for this year and basically, months and months and months ago, he, he asked me to write a, a cover feature about the story of 90125, which will be in the next issue of Prog. Oh, great. Um, so while we were doing that, um, as things came up, he sort of said, OK, well, we've got we've been asked to do an interview with John Anderson to promote his shows in London. Do you want to do the interview? So I said, yeah. <laughs> so I did. Um, and then the opportunity, when Rio uh, was, you know, a couple of months away from coming out, again, he said, we got to do Trevor Arabian. Do you want to do Trevor Arabian? And I sort of said, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got to do the piece of the piece in Prog Magazine. I did the piece about Joe Anderson, but that was a that was a um, that was a little news story. So actually, I was talk- I spoke to John for about half an hour, and it was lovely, but it was it was short. I got seventy minutes with Trevor, which was um,
0: that's
2: cool, uh, which was really really good. But I had, bearing in mind, I had to cover his entire career in that time
0: yeah he's a great interview (laughs) steve when did we have him on like three weeks ago
2: uh
1: no like over a month ago now Wow,
0: time just is so blurry for me and i see some comments um we will get to comments in just a moment um one of the things we wanted to ask you was with the yes album you make a point and which steven agrees with by the way uh, which is that we've heard the live versions of those songs so much and heard them uh in better form that the yes album is not typically one that might reach for people might not reach for as much as many of the albums. Um True. what how do you feel about that? Do you agree with that?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, I think listening to it now, um, I think it feels a little bit sterile. If um one of the good things about it is that they've moved on, not musically, though they had obviously yeah. The re- the quality of the uh, of the uh, the recording hadn't moved on so much, just in that few months between Time and a Word and uh, the Yes album. That in that respect, it sounds modern, if you see what I mean. It sounds like this lost some of that like sixties boom you get in some of these. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but having said that, those those the versions of those songs, um, maybe yours is no disgrace. Accepted they sound quite sterile compared to some of the fantastic live versions we've had over the years
0: yeah almost very yeah. compressed from a sonic yeah. point of yeah. view yeah yeah
2: but you had to do those versions to get to what we've yeah whereas i don't think about i think I don't think about that um about fragile for instance i love those versions um even though it was just you know a wherever it was a year later yeah. i love i love the fragile versions i don't love I don't love the yes album versions of those songs so much
0: well you know what really makes the difference right it's roger dean's cover
2: (laughs) that must be it
1: (laughs) yeah all of a sudden the music sounds totally different
2: (laughs) it
0: kind of does take you somewhere else with that (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah. it's true it's true it does it does just the whole
0: persona i think of the music and the band the brand you know, yeah. it, it plays into that somehow psychologically, especially someone like me, who discovered Yes through Fragile first. Not long after it came out, I was really young when I got into Yes, and then went forward to bought Yes songs and Close to the Other Edge at the same time. Listen to Yes songs first, and mm-hmm. then Close to the Edge, and then Relayer, and and then like sequentially through Tormato. I'm almost embarrassed to say this i didn't hear those first couple albums till after that and then it was like oh this is like when dinosaurs were roaming the earth and <laughs> the recording equipment suited that as well it was it was just kind of weird it was like listening to paul mccartney's new album with today's production <laughs> then going back and listening to the white album or something like that and going what what's going on here yeah yeah no, no
2: no i i know what you mean i i can't remember what order i heard the albums in i know i heard fragile and tomato run about at the same time that was my introduction okay um but i can't remember what order i listened to everything else in i know i had yesterday's before i had the first two albums mm. but i don't remember being particularly disappointed when i heard the first two albums i just thought oh yeah that's yes as they were in 69 70 it's fine and I like them still. Yeah, I yeah. like the Yes album as well. Um,
1: yeah, I think sometimes I'm more likely to reach for the first two albums over the Yes album because there's such a, you know, a novelty and obscurity to them. You know, it's like reaching for something that they don't play that often, you know?
2: Yeah, and it also feels like a different time, whereas for some reason the Yes album doesn't. The Yes album feels like the start of modern Yes, whereas the yeah, other two albums take. feel like they were part of a different era somehow.
0: Yeah. Before uh, Steve's next question, I do want to check in. <laughs> David Watkinson says hi, yeah, yeah, legend. You <laughs> Watch this space in November, Prague magazine. Cool. Um, and yeah. Steve did drop in that other link he was referring to regarding tales. So yeah, back
1: to your uh, yeah, all... re- regarding the uh, John D's request and, yeah. 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 Um so what was your reasoning for the order in which you talked about the Paris sessions and Termodao outtakes tracks oh. in the book?
2: Oh, uh, good question. Yeah, good question. Um I just thought it's a difficult one. Um because I'm probably although I didn't change that section at all when I revised the book.
0: Okay. Um
2: I'm probably a little bit clearer on their provenance now than I was. Hmm. So I wasn't quite, wasn't a hundred percent sure. And there's a lot of people that aren't. I mean, it's, it's not just, it's not just me um, who was it's some of the, when some of those demos were recorded, it's not quite certain. So I was just building a little, I was just covering my ass a little bit really and building a little bit of a little bit of a extra, extra doubt and uncertainty into it. Um, I mean, obviously we pretty much know what the, what the, um, what the Paris session tracks are. Uh, It was just some of those demos that, you know, um, when John Anson sat in his living room and sang days into a microphone, I have, you know, who can possibly know uh, without asking, he probably doesn't know either. So um, it's
1: been so long. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, So it was, I wanted to cover the, the, uh, the um, Paris sessions in context, in chronological context. Yeah uh it's just the rest of the tracks that I wasn't quite sure about so I just put them in the same chapter essentially
1: okay because <laughs> even with the parasection tracks you know they're not in um yeah they're not in alphabetic complete alphabetical order so and so yeah I was just curious like um about the order of the songs in which you want to discuss them or if it was a little random and you're just like yeah, okay, no. I'll listen to this one then the next this one so. my,
2: my my answer is probably uh, i can't remember <laughs> okay <laughs> I, but i didn't but i didn't <laughs> i didn't change that or i didn't change that section at all for the uh for the new edition so it's as it was It's so it was uh, the the steven that wrote that was was steven from 2018 um and yeah. i'd love to ask him but he's not here so
1: yeah <laughs> um and going back to 90125 something that i noticed while reading this was that
0: and you're probably the only one that noticed this steve just so you know (laughs) but go ahead
1: is that the 90125 section begins on page 83 which is very nice because that's the album
2: came out did you notice that no i didn't and in fact (laughs) it's probably on a completely different first edition it's probably on a completely different page
0: right okay yeah (laughs) That is interesting, though. <laughs> and you also mentioned regarding nine hundred one two five that ideally had that lineup put out their follow up album much much sooner. You know that probably would have been the right thing to do. I'm not sure there's anyone that would disagree with that. And then later <laughs> in the book you mentioned that had talk been that album, talk would have been very much uh, better received. And I, well, I yeah, to, if it was
1: released in the eighties, yeah,
0: yeah, I, I agree with that because I think talk. Didn't I was surprised that Talk didn't do as well as it did. It's an amazing recording, production-wise. Probably the first album ever, you know, recorded to disc. Had it been recorded in the '80s, it probably wouldn't have been, and it would have sounded different. But I think Stephen and I yeah. both agree that um, in place of Big Generator or or even before, yeah, closer to a, the follow-up and a sooner follow-up. How do you not ride that wave and, and capitalize on it when the irons are hot? You know, that's that's really weird how they let that. I don't know if it was complacency or rested on their laurels or management BS that we've all heard about over it, and over.
2: It was many things, but it was mainly the band, I think. It was um, if you imagine, I mean, going back to 90125, because, again, I've done huge amounts of research into 90125. In the last in the last few months, So I'm like happy to talk about that if you want. Some of it will be in the next issue of Prog, but some of it won't. In fact, in fact, I'm making a book out of it. I think yeah, um, 90125 was recorded was came together in such a weird way.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I, there were there are essentially there are four steps in, but and they're very unusual steps. You know, normally a band um, they come off tour, they go back into the studio. They record the album with whatever material they've that they've got, then they then, then they you know, then they go back on the road again.
0: Yeah.
2: 90125 was is was recorded in a very contrived way, or was created in a very contrived way.
0: Yeah.
2: So um what happened after that? I, I'll happily go into detail if you want, but 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 the but regarding Big Generator, what happened was they recorded 90, 90125 in this really weird contrived way, and then all of a sudden they were a band. Yeah. and they need bond as and a they band they
0: hadn't done that before in that no lineup.
2: and it didn't work and they oh, were yeah. they all of a sudden they had they, they had Trevor Horn in the studio that all of a sudden they were massive rock stars again yeah. having thought what the hell's going to happen with our careers in 1980 81 all of a sudden they're massive rock stars again they just they they they, they go off to go into a castle in Italy to start recording and basically they don't do any yeah <laughs> um and it and it all spirals from there, which leads to Trevor Rabin having to rescue the album, basically in a yeah. in a in a recording studio for several weeks in Los Angeles. So it's um, it's it, um, basically they messed it up, and they would admit that I'm sure. Yeah. You know, they just yeah. they they uh, something that should have taken six months to record took two years.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's an yeah. odd sounding album sonically as well. Some of it, it just sounds, yes. and you know. I think, to be fair, I don't think I've ever listened to the whole album other than on the original vinyl release. And the EQ overall, the mastering just sounds odd to me, especially coming off of 90125, which had, you know, what do you say about that, the way that sounded, and then Big Generator just sounds so odd. Um, So that's without even getting into the compositions and all that no. stuff, but regarding to your, you know, your other point, Stephen, when you say they went to a point from what what's going to happen with us to being the biggest rock stars of the year with nine hundred one two five, yeah, I exactly. read from an actor or or another musician years and years and years ago. They said sometimes the hardest act to follow is your own, and I think they were in that space, being in that state as you did mention that now all of a sudden they're a band and they hadn't worked like that as a band yet, and it just
2: no, no, too many no, they percent. had to go. And, yeah, yeah, they hadn't.
0: No history to to follow because they hadn't done it.
2: It was, it's to all intents and purposes, it was the sophomore album, wasn't it? So, yeah. um, so it was like almost like starting again.
0: Yeah.
2: And yeah. what happens with the what happens with second album Sometimes you, you know, like rabbit in headlights. What do we do now?
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> it was yeah. a new yeah. tour? I remember seeing the tour. The tour was neat. Um,
2: yeah. We didn't get it here.
0: Oh, right. oh, that's right. They didn't do Europe uh, at all. Or UK, all the talk right?
2: tool. Yeah. No. Yeah.
0: Huh. It's very odd. Or but, talk. um. I, wow. I forgot about that. I remember that from your book, too.
1: Yeah. I, I think I may have played, um, my CD copy of Big Generator to you, dad, but it was like so long ago. So,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. But I played it quite a lot,
2: actually. It's...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like it's i don't remember the last time i played the cd itself but i do listen to the songs on you know the official channels and um and it's already just like really ingrained in me but while we're on the trevor Rabin, do you would care to share any thoughts on his rio album now that we're a few weeks into its release
2: uh yeah no i really like it i I, obviously i had the Hopefully, like you guys did, I had the benefit of listening to it a long time before it was released. Yeah. I, I still haven't heard the bonus chat tracks because I haven't bought it yet. <laughs> oh, um, which yeah, is the bonus bad. tracks
1: are pretty good.
2: Yeah. Well, I've heard. Fr- I mean, I've heard the the original version of Fragile, but I haven't heard any of the any of the other bonus tracks. But the main album itself, um, it it's a grower. It's not. It's apart from the like you know, Big Mistake and Push, maybe the big the big sort of melodic rock songs it's it's it it's going to take people some getting into mm. it throws so many genres at it sometimes in the same song you guys said in your review yeah that and it's a completely correct it's you know you got if you got what's it, it's a tumbleweed there's three different genres yeah uh, within the same song
0: yeah and it wasn't at all what i expected to begin with no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's but a lot it, in there yeah
2: i mean people are comparing it to can't look away but of course they were recorded under completely different circumstances can't look away trevor is trevor's label attempting to market trevor as a solo artist expecting chart placings and stuff right. you know high yeah. uh, high chart placings and throwing money at a crazy 80s style video um <laughs> yeah with uh,
0: the, i remember
1: that with, yeah. with with like the dalmatian spots type thing that's the one Those, yeah, yeah yeah and the really long arms it's it's a wild yep. video that one
2: um and it is a wild video and um so you know they were expecting hits from that or they were at least they were hoping for hits whereas this album is just trevor doing whatever he wants
0: yeah and he's <laughs> yeah. not only doing whatever he wants but that whatever he wants is coming from Years and years and years of doing movie score music and just life happening for decades, maturing as a person, and all these things up here that fed his creative process with decades yeah. literally of other music he'd done and life events. And then pff, to dump all that out under one yeah. CD, no yeah. wonder there's so many different things on there, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah, and that's clearly what he wants to do. I, my only. Um, negative comment might be I wonder there's so much in there it's so densely packed I wonder if people are still going to be listening to it in a year Interesting, um, yeah. uh, I but per- hopefully I they are
0: like I get that I personally yeah. like it I think I'm just a little weird or different where I can hear something on an album that as long as I like it to me i don't care how far apart the genres are or or anything but i do understand for most people for the masses that that might make it just too just dis, disjointed for some people
2: yeah Disconnect that's it. my only thought yeah. but i really like it They took, i mean it took yeah. me three plays
0: yeah well something else you both mentioned that i want to bring up is you mentioned bonus tracks and one of the things yeah. i've known but really didn't realize till i read your book and we got to the part about the quest is sort of a general question that i I haven't asked steve this either to me i find it odd that the term bonus tracks is used on a first release of an album what makes them bonus isn't that just part of the album i think that's a weird justification whereas before bonus tracks would be when um, going for the one is re-released, and you hear a couple run-throughs, and you get Abilene you know, after Tormato. Or to me, those are bonus tracks. So how does one delineate bonus tracks on an album that just came out? I don't get
2: that. Um, well, first of all, it's what Inside Out do. They've always done that. Okay. Like for twenty years, that's been there. I don't know. I I can't. I don't know if there's any other labels that work like that, but Inside Out have always done that. Wow. So they've kind of said, here's the album. Here's a few extra things. If you look at some of the, um, let's think of an example, Neil Morse or Spock's beard, Transatlantic maybe, mm-hmm. that's the opportunity for them to do some covers. That kind of stuff. Now, um, I reckon what probably happened with Yes, I don't know. I haven't asked them. But what happened was they recorded a bunch of tracks. they sort of said they all sat down and said, "Okay, well here's the album. What are we gonna do with these other songs? Do we stick them on the album in appropriate places or or do we do what inside out would prefer, which is to uh which is to offer them on another c d you know I, I i'm I'm not entirely sure why that how those reasonable. tracks came to be those if you yeah. see what I mean uh, Maybe, but,
0: yeah, if the band themselves or the record label doesn't feel they fit in with the, the playability of a particular song list that makes up enough for enough album, yeah, yet yeah. they still good enough I, to release, they put them over here and call them bonus tracks.
2: I'm certain they wouldn't have done that and uh, if they had been recording for any other label. Mm-hmm. It's very much, it's a very, very inside uh, out. I think it's very typical of Inside Out. Okay.
1: Yeah, because c- a- with Inside Out, I think before these more recent Yes albums to my knowledge my only frame of reference from their label was uh, the Anderson Stolt album Invention of Knowledge and I don't think that had bonus tracks at least on the CD release so but when the new Yes albums came out I did understand like I do understand why they're called bonus tracks it's because okay they don't fit with sort of the continuity they're trying to establish with these other tracks so they consider them sort of this is the main album and these are the tracks are outside of the main album so I do understand why they're called bonus tracks um it's just putting them on a separate separate disc that's kind of odd to me you know
2: yeah no it's odd to me too but it's as I say it's it, i suppose with another label they, they might have just been bone called bonus tracks on the same cd but right it's well inside out i i you know i d- i don't have any 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 specific insight or knowledge into what into it but i know that from you know a lot of the experience i mean of, of buying inside out release releases that's what they do yeah um,
1: Interesting. Well, well while we're on the subject of the newer albums um in the book, you talk about preferring the quest over Mirror to the Sky, which is interesting because we tend to see the opposite opinion across ES fandom. Although oh. I think Dad uh, prefers Mirror, whereas I'm still not quite sure. Like they're oh, pretty oh, close. <laughs> they're pre- <laughs> they're pretty close to me, but I do feel that <laughs> I get more emotional. At certain points on the quest, particularly on a living island, like you've expressed.
2: That's exactly it. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a different one because I've heard a lot of people say. Uh, I'm not going to name names. Uh, <laughs> how can you not they like to... Mirror to the Sky? Because it's giving you precisely what you want from a yes album. <laughs> Therefore, you are required to like it. Now
1: that's interesting um, that's kind of silly because not all yes fans want the same thing no no true. but
2: that's that, that, that's they're, they're saying that okay you want long form tracks from yes you're getting them on this uh, on this album so um so you you must like this this album and i think well yeah but you know music it's completely subjective it either moves you right. or you, or it doesn't i though i can though i like mirage the sky and i like some of the long-form tracks there's bits that don't quite work for me with the quest um i was very moved by living island um because it's talking about covid and uh, well covid times not talking about covid uh uh specifically and uh there are some other tracks where i thought where i thought okay well this is the album may not be very particularly cohesive but i think this this song um Whichever it is, is uh, those writers and those musicians doing the best they can with it with with this material. They they're they're doing what they want to do. Right. Um, Mirror in the sky is much more cohesive. It's much it feels much more like they're all working together for for I, one. I agree. One goal, and I think
0: yeah. that plays into my reasoning why I, I do like Mirror better. I like the quest. I like Mirror better, and I I think my Reasoning is also somewhat vanilla, almost sounds mailed in, because yes, I like more of the classic synth sounds being used. Yes, it does sound more like a band effort and the cohesiveness in their playing. Yes, I love the longer tracks. It, it's. I will always, 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 as much as I love Tormato and Future Times Rejoice and uh, stuff on drama, I will always love, from close to the edge until after, you know, that whole mess of epics, (laughs) to to still get a taste of that in the year 2028 or whatever it is right now. (laughs) I I just, I, to me, I I do like that, but Dave Watkinson, I want to relay a question from him to all three of us. Yeah, and
1: um, just real quick, his question does include a minor spoiler for the set list i know the tour is like almost done but just a fair warning to ah,
0: okay yeah if you haven't seen the tour and you're going to and you don't want to know anything about the set list plug your ears for a moment until i wave at you steve remind me to wave so they your <laughs> ears so dave says do we need and it keeps moving geez it says do we do we need after this tour another i don't know why it keeps moving another live album because it would be the first time that topographic uh medley would have ever been played um performed will we ever hear relayer live why does this keep moving on me will we ever hear relayer live um
1: and what should yes release that hasn't been released Uh, that's the third well release
0: release would be nice that would be a nice (laughs) but (laughs) so I'll, i'll go first i'm such a I don't know if sucker is the right word, but in, in almost my entire life, Steven, the first album I get of a band is the live album. Because I want to hear them doing their thing live. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, So I love live music, I love live albums. I loved when Rush got into the groove that they released a live DVD and album after every freaking tour, and to me, there, that was not an unnecessary redundancy because you get different versions, you get a surprise medley, there's all these Easter eggs, there's some song dug up from 30 years prior that they haven't played forever. So I, I love that and I would, I would love that for David, what you pointed out could be on it and will we ever hear Relay or Live? I hope they revisit that. I don't think we need the excuse of it being an anniversary to play that whole album. And um, I, I'll stop there, and you guys feed your answers and answer his second question, and then I'll circle back. The second question being,
2: what was the second one again? No, <laughs> um, was. But well, um... funnily enough, Dave and I were we we, we met up uh, last last week, was it? Oh yeah, Dave? I saw that post. Uh, and, yeah, and um, one of the things we were talking about was the fact that we lost the Relo tour twice. And now it's gone. Right. And we were talking about the last live album, and the fact that the band left uh, "The Gates of Delirium" off that live album, right? Because they were going to release a live album of the Relay tour, they they which they've gonna... now never done. So that that oops, sorry, that version of um, "Gates of Delirium" So it's somewhere. Tour, obviously, yeah. there's no reason why they shouldn't release it now. Yeah, and is QPR
0: um, the only full view we have of that album live? Am I missing something? It's QPR mm. only, isn't it? Yeah,
1: like it has all three of those tracks. Yeah. It
2: does,
0: yes. Right.
2: Yeah. Um, we don't have do we have all of Tails like we don't, do we? No.
1: Not, not officially, like... but
0: I have the bootleg of all four of them plus um close to the edge plus roundabout on a bootleg from the Tails Tour. I have right. it on quarter inch reel to reel of all things.
2: Wow. Well. Um, so we don't. There's 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 some huge gaps in the fossil record.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh,
2: for around about that time, uh, one of the reasons why getting the Wembley show uh, out would be great is because it's it fills a big gap because they were amazing. It um, would
0: have to have yeah. Future Times and Rejoice, otherwise just make the Richfield Coliseum show an official album from Cleveland on that tour because that that's a magnificent recording. You can hear the keys pop of the Hammond B3. It's got, yeah. it's got the whole concert, and it sounds great. I don't know why that's not an official release.
2: Oh, okay, okay. But what um, else would the, you guys the,
0: like to hear that they haven't done in forever or ne- maybe never have released live?
2: Ooh. I, uh, one of the things I'm quite disappointed about is uh, obviously we're not going to uh, get the show until next year, but just how few tracks they're playing from more recent recordings um obviously they're going straight into the mirror they had they were they they played all connected on the first date or two didn't they but they they they're only playing the opening track yeah um yeah that's for ultra you keep we keep talking about release release funnily enough i've i (laughs) totally love release i do too yeah i would love to see them play that
0: (laughs) i'm playing it in my head thinking how would it sound just down um a key and a half for John Davidson or, you know, that'd be a great, that's a great live song.
2: Yeah, it is. It, it, it potentially it is, but. Uh, oh,
0: and, um, from, uh, 90125, um, um, our song. Yes. Thank you. Our song. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, I'd love, love to see that, that live. That's a wonderful piece.
2: That's it is. It is. It's one of my favorites. And also it was, it, it swung, I've looked at a lot of nine hundred one twenty five tour set lists.
0: Now here's a Trevor Um, song I'd like to hear live for sure. Two of them, "Miracle of Life" is my favorite Trevor Yes song, but I'd also love to hear. And I think Steve might agree. "State of Play." Yeah, I I would love to see Steve Howe step up to his pedal steel to do that slide part that Trevor does on. Just, I love that song. I think that's a yeah.
2: I'm with you completely on both of them. But these Absolutely. all might
0: be some never to be ever heard live songs.
2: We'll never I, I I wouldn't if if Trevor ever plays live, it's good there's a good chance we might get Miracle of Life. Yeah. Not so sure about state of play, but I think we might get Miracle of Miracle Life. Miracle of Life would be great. Because he loves great. it as well. So yeah. um so uh but no I completely agree. I agree agree totally about those two tracks. Cool. Uh, is there anything Dave? else from Big Just Gen- is there anything else from Big Generator we'd like to hear? I suppose people would disagree about that.
1: Actually. I feel like lots of people. Well, I, I don't quite. You know, I'm not quite in the same headspace, but I know lots of people love "Shoot High, Aim Low." Yeah, um, true. yeah. And uh, I, I think you and I, Stephen, we each have different, like, opposite opinions of which side of Big Generator we prefer. Um, I prefer the second side over the first one. So, um, yeah, that's.
2: Yeah. That's fine. I mean that's totally fine. It's 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 just I think um and I say do say this in the book I think. Yeah. I think that the two longer tracks on side 2 are actually a bit weak. Mm. Um but, but a lot of a lot of yes fans disagree. Whereas regardless of the genre, I think side 1 um is like a perfect little side on its own. Even the last track which is about the least yesy yes yeah, track almost of, like love almost like love uh, um I, I still like it as a song yeah but i that think we side one works i was
0: oh sorry go ahead
2: no it's a, it's it's on side two when they try to sound like yes that so they get into trouble i yeah. think
0: <laughs> i
1: personally love final eyes but i know that lots of people would probably love to hear i'm running i was just know?
0: that was going to be mine i was going to say i would love to see i'm running live i think you know, some songs just represent better live and you go, oh, that would be one of them for me. And Stephen, I don't want to piss you off, but Steve, I'm sure, would love to hear Holy Lamb. <laughs> when yeah, I, when I, I told Steve, uh, when you read what Stephen wrote about Holy Lamb, I pictured him knocking over chairs in his house to get out. No, because uh, I, I already
1: knew his <laughs> feelings because of uh, Yes in the 1980s. He yeah. touched on that and it's perfectly fine. Like, I love Holy Lamb. But I can see why that wouldn't necessarily be a top pick for a live show. Although I feel like it wouldn't be tough for them to play that in a show like. And no, they like really could play short, it. So, like, you know. <laughs> Yeah.
2: But it's a John Anson song. So it's, you know, it's right. very, very linked to John Anson. It sounds like a John Anson song yeah. as well. So it sounds very, you know, it sounds like it could be, that could have been on a John Anson solo album.
0: And Stephen, I gather from your book, I think you and I, and I believe Stephen, I think Stephen might be a little more indifferent to this point. And folks watching and listening, I'd love to know your take as well. Oh,
1: and were you supposed to wave? I forgot. Oh, yeah, you can unplug your ears, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) That whole topic of ending an album with Holy Lamb or Time is Time rather than a Big Bang, To me, that is always just so anti-climactic. I love Time Is Time. I don't want those soft songs those cool down after the big workout. You're supposed to do that in the gym, but on an (laughs) album, it's just like, yeah. I don't know. It just lets all the air out of the sail for me.
2: I don't mind it. It's a device, isn't it, that a lot of bands use, not just, yes, it's a, let's finish on a soft one. Not necessarily epic, let's just let people down gently. I, yeah. I, yeah. I I don't I don't I don't mind like it I don't
0: thrown out the window I just
2: <laughs> I don't have a strong opinion about it okay. really I think um I think yeah there's something to be. the one thing I I, I like I like about 90125 is the way it's sequenced yeah mm. um so it finishes finishes with hearts and that big finish to hearts yeah and
0: I, I which, love that song
2: but yeah. also side one it's beautifully sequenced for vinyl yeah. specifically so side one That's finishes great. on changes so I cannot think of an album that's better sequenced, that has a that has a fair amount of tracks on it. Than yeah, I don't I think about.
0: Yes has ever done this, but can either of you think of anyone that has rearranged a, a playlist from vinyl to CD because there's no side one or side two? Have there ever been any? I can't think of any, but I, no, it just makes sense that that'd be okay to do.
2: Mm. No, I can't. Yeah, I'm I drawing can't. a blank. I, um, yeah. But
1: to your point, like, I can see, like, you know, even on the recent album, Mirror to the Sky, like, yeah, the title track is a Big Bang epic, you very well could have ended with that. But I do like, you know, the sort of, after the Big Bang type thing, you get a co- a cooldown, like, epilogue type thing with something like Circles of Time, and, you know, if it's soft, but it's very existential and it makes me think it makes me reflect on life and i really appreciate that as an ending personally
2: yeah i don't mind it i don't mind i don't really have a strong opinion about it i sometimes i like a big finish and sometimes i like a little cool down it doesn't um it's uh, both can work i think
0: something else i want to point out from your book that i found extremely interesting that i never thought of and Folks, this isn't really a spoiler because there's so much in this book. It's every freak. It's like a a music critic addressing every song of every... It's a, an amazing body of work. This is just such a mountain of work. So I'm not spoiling. I'm teasing it out so you get the book. But one of the things that I thought was very uh, thought provocative for me was when you mention that the solo pieces on Fragile might not have appeared or been necessary had they taken an extra month in the studio and to just write material. Just that thought made me think, well, would we have the fish or would we have, like what would we have? It's just a really interesting alternative universe. And I personally, and I I respect your take on this, maybe it's because I'm a drummer, But I I think that Bill's piece isn't pointless or a waste. There, I think it's quirky, and it it I one of my favorite things about it is you know starts out with that kank 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 and then when Rick just comes in with that soft chord Mm -hmm. on the organ, there's it's such a neat little composition. But the concept that you talk about that had they had another month, rather than ah you do a solo I'll do that, that's really interesting to me did you realize that later when you were working on the book or had you always had that opinion since you heard the album
2: um well no it was it came from factual information which was that they were being rushed
0: okay right um
2: uh, so because in the uk the s album had been a success and atlantic wanted something else as fast as they could possibly do it (laughs) furthermore they just sacked a keyboard player and brought in another keyboard player who came in kind of in the middle of them rehearsing it right. so it's a great because have you seen the sounding out documentaries this yeah, stuff yeah it's on youtube where rick talks about playing heart of the sunrise and he sort of said they're all looking at me because i am i meant to play now and uh he's meant to he's meant to be playing the piano set the the piano part on yeah. heart, heart of the sunrise so they are they were being pressed to record as fast as possible which is kind of where all those solo pieces come from i think because they were a little bit short on full band material so they said okay well this sounds good i mean you know it's very early in a career to be doing something as pretentious as as putting solo tracks on 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 your album isn't it so you not something you'd normally (laughs) expect a band to be doing but i think it comes from the lack of time yeah. and the lack of the lack of um good new material as much as it comes from a desire to have uh exciting solo tracks oh, on, the, on the i mean yeah. 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 Um, thing- rick had to come up with something yeah and rick had to come up with something because he couldn't he wasn't allowed to write because he was right he was, he was contractually contracted uh, to a and m so he had to do a bark piece um yeah. which is which also leads on to what do you do when you, when you're now, when you have to have to go in and go, go and play fragile live. Do you just leave out those tracks or do you just play them anyway? Oh, that's and, a great but, point. Move I for a day you played, accepted. You I would play say, them. Yeah.
0: You, if you're going to play the whole play it as a homage to the situation, to those players, to the pieces. I, I th- I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, and, if-
1: and, and they did that. But the one thing that they left out when they played off fragile, um, Back in twenty fourteen or whenever that was, they uh, and this is such a tiny thing that doesn't really matter. But they left out the part What's after they? Harvest Sunrise where it's the We Have Heaven reprieve. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. 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 The thing... uh, there was there was a, there was a moment of absurdity when they went, when they did that because yeah. to see Jeff Downs play Cans and Brahms,
0: yeah,
2: particularly as most of it was tape on tape anyway, and he was just playing along in. It, it's, it was it felt a bit bit odd awkward seeing them play it live and
1: five percent for nothing like really yeah. odd life
2: <laughs> yeah but you know if, if but you're right if you're gonna do homage to it you, you've got to do it and let's face it it's only you know we're only talking about a couple of minutes anyway so it was a, uh, but it was, it was it was a bit weird
0: <laughs> one, of, <Yeah>. one <laughs> of the other things i was reminded of in reading your book another and two other great reasons of many to to get the book folks and read it here's one I was reminded of when we we're talking about relayer and John's almost like Neanderthal way of banging away at the piano trying to explain the song. Yeah. It's amazing we got what we got, if yeah. you think about it. And and true to that, when you hear some of the run-throughs of Awaken, like how did that end up being what it became? Yeah. and run throughs yeah. of some of Tales and the Relayer stuff, it's it's quite I think it speaks to the extraordinary talent that the musicians really had to be able to you know do that yeah. with something like john just you know banging away with i'm sure off key chords and then it goes bah, 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 bah. and then you know like huh yeah. what? okay well let's yeah. try it and then crash 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <exactly>. screams, <laughs> and then soon <laughs> wait what <laughs> that's
2: a, actually that's a really good point and i and actually though i did mention that I wish I'd articulated that a bit better in the book, actually, because that's a yeah. their, their ability to take. Yeah, you don't want to listen to those studio run-throughs more than once or twice, do you? But but, right. but they do tell you <laughs> quite a lot. Um, yeah, because
0: I'm afraid and, they'll stick. Yeah, <laughs> but the other thing I wanted to point out to the readers is one of the biggest things I got out of this book, personally, is. I was reminded of so much music I hadn't heard in so long that I want to go back and revisit and also listen to even music I am more familiar with and listen to on a more regular basis with different ears, with some of the stories behind the making of and um, how they didn't make charts or how they did and all the different elements that you've put into it kind of... For me ra- ra- packages it differently and i want to go back and revisit a lot of this stuff so again if you're a brand new yes fan if you're a hardcore freakishly hopeless yes fan or anywhere in the middle there's so many different things you can get out of the book in so many yeah. different ways i can't i can't even you know steve and i both work really hard steve's an author he does yes shift I have the largest media company in the music industry covering the world of drumming and drum talk TV. We work really hard. I can't imagine doing this, though. I think I'd rather be shot out of a cannon on fire. It seems easier <laughs> than what you did here. I, and I mean this as a huge compliment, just to commend you on the tension that went into this and you know the nice color section. We'll call that the middle eight of of all the <laughs> album covers and everything. Oh, no. It's... This is really, a, a, like, how do you talk about following up 90125, what are you gonna do next? Like,
2: uh, well, this a, is
0: just so grandiose what yeah, do you do.
2: You're right in that I have a lot less time than I used to because I, when I first, when I wrote that book, I wrote it, you know, the lion's share of the work was done in 2018. And um, at the time I was just starting out Sonic 1 Publishing, which is my publishing company that publishes or yeah. up to 170 books now. I'm looking at my shelves. Wow. so my I right um, and we were starting out so we're in that sort of period when um, I started the company I commissioned some books but none of them had actually been delivered so I, I had more time to sit down and physically write I knew that I was going to have to write a few of them of the early ones as well now I don't however the next book uh, I, I've since I did the book with David Watkinson um, and I wrote I mean the, the yes in the 80s the text was written by me um um i did uh what else have I, done? I did a book about focus uh relative recently that took a long time to write but the next yes book will be about 90125 mm-hmm. um because so we're, we're, we're launching a new series next year called well at the moment it's called rock classics and, and they will be single album books oh. it's not a new idea people have done it in the past um Kevin at uh, uh Kevin Marrines obviously a lot of the episodes they're doing at the moment are based around tales yeah. um so my these will be a bit more like the um the 33 and the third series where looking at a specific album how it's recorded a review of it and context really nice. so because I've done so much research into 90, 90125 in the last few months um i will take what i've done and expand it into a book there's loads more things that can be said i think about that album um and uh it's the way it came to record as i said as i was saying before was so unusual yeah. so unique and um uh that there's a lot to say about it. I think it's not just for yes fans, but for people who are interested in the very strange ways that music gets to be made. Yeah. Sometimes. That's
0: a great point. And yeah. Before we have, a, if you have a little more time, we have just a couple more questions. We plan. Yeah one, yeah. one just popped up that um, I'd like you to share with the viewers. Remind us about your publishing company. What type of works do you do? It's not all music related, correct?
2: Um, It is now pretty much. Yeah, we did. When the company was first founded, the idea was to do music, um, film and TV. And uh, we did a few. Uh, I wrote a couple, in fact. Um, But to be honest, they didn't sell as well. So I decided relatively early on in the the, um, history of the company that, okay, well, let's Let's polarize and let's let's focus on on doing books on music. So the majority of the books are in. I mean, the, the best known series is the one this is in. You know, yeah, uh, it's on the track. On Track series. So um, probably I would guess seventy five percent of the books we've done have been in that series. But we've done other things as well. We've done we've done the odd. We do the one off. We've just done a autobiography of Jeff Mann, the singer of Twelfth Night. Yep. Did the autobiography of um, David Payton as well, who some people will know he was the lead singer. Well, in Britain he will he's known as the lead singer of Pilot.
0: Yeah,
2: we had a couple of massive hits in Britain, but also he's in the Alan Parsons Project and he's done his work with Kate Bush. He's he was basically a session bassist oh. for many years. Um, so we so we've done that. Uh, there's a few other series as well. We did a series called The Decades, which which is what the Yes in the 80s was in. Okay. Um so the the company started in fact we're just about to come up to our 5th anniversary yeah, oh, at the nice. end of November the oh, will be the 5th nice. anniversary so it's uh, and we're now up to a, well i think i counted them earlier 171 titles
0: congratulations and what are some of the other bands covered in the on track series
2: uh well it varies i mean i mean two best so far and this will be no surprise are yes and genesis
0: <laughs> oh i got to get the genesis one
2: yeah, uh, it's, Genesis. It, it, yeah. Uh, yeah that hasn't got that was published in 2019 i think it's we haven't revised it yet because there's there's nothing much to revise it with in that case yeah um, oh, um, I unfortunately I, but we've I, done don't... you know we've done everybody from i'm just looking at the new ones uh on my shelf smashing pumpkins lou reed oh. metallica the birds wow. um uh queen green day beck Nightwish, I'm just looking. Uh, um, it's that's cool.
0: Yeah, uh, we, and, um, we, you
2: know, we we're doing we're doing the carpenters in December. Oh you know, wow, it's, oh nice. We, um, it, the genre does not matter. In fact, I actively disc. You know, you know what music critics can be like sometimes. They they don't like a particular genre, so they slag it off in their reviews. <laughs> right. I right. I actually discourage that because I think it's all good. Um, yeah. You know, we don't. It's. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm not. I'm not. Too biased I'm not that way. bothered. I'm not biased. You know, easy listening uh, is as is as valid as progressive rock, as far as I'm concerned. So I might listen to it less.
0: I, I'd be very interested in the one about the Carpenters because I grew up as a little boy with that music in the house. Coincidentally, I grew up with the um, the Carpenters, the Fifth Dimension, and Simon and Garf. Gunf- Garfunkel, all played mostly by Hal Blaine on the drums. When I started <laughs> Drum Talk TV in the first year, I interviewed Hal Blaine at his house and talked about Bob Denver, John Denver, yeah, yeah. well, not Bob. He's a legend. So yeah. And yeah, then yeah. years later, um, I did Hal Blaine's last interview before he passed away, like a month before he passed away. Just, uh, you talk about a man full of stories, just un. Believable. He talked about being under the stage at Woodstock when the Who was playing and parting with them. And <laughs> just like what, just crazy stories. So he talked. He's talked a lot about Karen Carpenter and the Carpenters and the the mom and how that whole lot of interesting stuff that I have on some interviews with him. I'll I'll send you if you're interested.
1: Yeah, love to. Yeah. Yeah, and um, stuff. what what's the status of Yes in the 1990s that Simon Barrow is working on?
2: Uh, it, he, Simon has not delivered it yet so um so it keeps going back um through just through uh, simon's gone through a period of quite bad bad health recently um so uh he's it's just delayed the book coming in so it'll be um i haven't checked in with him in in the last few weeks um but it'll be next year now it'll it'll come it'll definitely come but uh uh but it'll be next year now i would have thought um so uh there won't be anything so that'll be the next yesy thing my book on 90125 which my expanded version of 90 it'll be much later in the year i think okay
0: great
1: yeah hoping simon gets well of course yeah and um you are also a host for the summer's end festival can you give us a rundown of how the most recent one earlier this month went as well as what people the can look forward to there with winter's end in April. Yeah, and yeah, yeah no, it, went, it went very well. It's,
2: it's. Yeah. It, we've. It's summer's end started in two thousand five. So, um, the twentieth summer's end will be in twenty twenty five.
1: Wow.
2: So the last, uh, the 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 last edition. Uh, well, we kind we of know what we're doing now, so it went. It, it went as expected, which was fine. It ran to time and everything. <laughs> I suppose from a yes point of view, the interesting thing about Winter's End, which is in uh middle of next April, yeah. is that we've got Oliver, Oliver Wakeman's band playing. Uh, he was going to be playing Summer's End, but he had to postpone because a member of his band had a family bereavement, unfortunately. Right. So. Um, which meant he couldn't put the time in he wanted into prep. because This is a one-off show. So, um, I mean, you know, the other things might come, come a bit later, but at the moment, this is a one-off show. So Oliver Oliver's band will be playing uh, at Winter's End and they are playing uh the From a Page album slash oh. ep whatever you call it. Nice. Um and that which might be the only time it ever gets played live.
0: And this is in April?
2: This is this is the middle of April. This is uh, his the day he's playing is I think Sunday the 14th of April.
0: Okay, we'll have Oliver on before then to talk about it.
2: Yeah, he's, yeah. He, uh, Oliver's uh, yeah. Oliver's a great guy, so yeah. Uh, he's um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm sure he'd be happy to. But it's um, he's going to play songs from across his career, including he's got a new album out, um, hopefully during the co- early part of next year. Great, um, when yeah. he's he's On them pulled car. together an all star band to play to play this. But they're they're rehearsing just for that show, which is a bit scary for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but Oliver, Oliver's a total professional, so he'll, he'll yeah. He'll, yeah. yeah
0: extremely talented just amazing
2: yeah yeah, yeah. I'm um, glad he
0: was able to take that music and do what he did with from a page you know that that's really neat that's a great addition of the catalog especially under the circumstances and everything it kind of fills a missing chapter if you will
2: it does and not enough I'm sure that not enough people have heard it
0: yeah oh yeah
1: absolutely agree. like i remember reading that tweet back in the day where he detailed what well, someone asked him what were some of the songs that didn't make it onto fly from here that he worked on and he mentions the titles and i was like oh man i wish we'd gotten those on something and then like a year later for page announced it. it's like oh my gosh this is amazing <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah it must have taken a lot of work to piece all that stuff together yeah
0: and Stephen, what um, is your publishing Company name so that we could put that website in the. Comments.
2: It's called Sonic Bond, all one word: S O N I C B O N D, publishing.
0: And is that .co. uk?
2: It's .co. It's com. The com okay. works.
0: Okay, Steve, you got that? Be a new website yeah. in
2: November, hopefully.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great. Yeah. Thanks so much for taking time to. Join us, and more importantly, I'm going to put up the graphic again. Thank you so much for putting out. Oh, it disappeared, so here you go. This amazing book what an incredible (laughs) body of work! And you know, the master there on the cover, I'll hold it up as well. There you go, Chris Squire, backgammon suit. There you go, yeah, a trifecta, three books for each neck of Chris's base. There, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) which he borrowed and never gave back, which is a whole other story. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but this is this is great. Get it, folks. If you're a yes fan at all, get the book. It's it's really yeah. Burning
1: Shed, Amazon. Just go ahead and get it.
2: Yep, yep. It's all. It's. uh, I think it should be in the US by now as well. I think. Um. So yeah.
0: Hang on the line for a few minutes after we say goodbye to the audience. And audience, thank you so much for following what we do here on Yes Shift. We are also open to ideas, suggestions, comments, Um, not criticism, no. No, I'm (laughs) kidding. You can send us anything you want, Uh, love notes, hate mail, anything in between to yesshiftpodcast at gmail.com. If you like audio only, we show so many clips and images sometimes. You might want to follow us on the other channels. But if you want audio only, it's anchor.fm slash yesshift. On YouTube, it's youtube.com slash at yesshift And on Facebook, where we broadcast live, it all starts there at facebook.com slash. Oh, yes, shift. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again, Stephen, so much for taking time. Hang on the line. And Steve, did I miss anything?
1: No, you pretty much got it.
0: Cool. Should we close with Holy Lamb? (laughs)
2: <laughs> okay. Oh, <just think. laughs> I'll just say my dead buddy. <laughs>
0: All of a sudden Stephen Lamb's internet goes bad. All right folks. We'll, <laughs> see, we'll see you soon. See Thanks. you
1: soon.